Listen, man, I am so thankful. There was a little debate earlier when we were backstage. Would anybody show up today? And you made it. Come on, give yourselves a little love. Come on, man. Thank you for being here. Not only is this the second service, we also have a lot of people watching online. Good morning to everybody, including Hawaii. Y'all, isn't that kind of crazy? Hawaii and Minnesota and Kansas City. And, of course, our friends in North Dallas. Thank all of you so much for watching today and every week. But also, can you please put your hands together for all these volunteers that make it happen week in and week out, even on a holiday weekend? Come on, y'all. We got a full teardown today, loading everything up in the three or four semis out back. So it's one of those things where it takes everybody taking care of the kids and setting up and tearing down and running everything. So we're just very, very thankful for you on this Thanksgiving follow-up weekend. So i got to just go ahead and give you some props because if you're here, if you're watching online, congratulations, you have survived Thanksgiving. Can I get an amen on that, right? We're talking about the holiday survival, guys, so you made it through one. You made it through the bad relative situation. You made it through no pumpkin pie because at our house, we did not have pumpkin pie. How do you have Thanksgiving without pumpkin pie? But I survived it. We made it. So there was a lot of other good things to eat, obviously. I wasn't skimping, but if you're in here and you still go, well, Justin, we made Thanksgiving, but what's next? Well, guess what? 28 days until Christmas is right around the corner and 35 until New Year's Day. Isn't that crazy? Man, it just seems like we were in the middle of trying to make it through this year. And now here we are at the end of the year. So i got to congratulate you, but we still got two more to go. And it got me thinking about, we all see, and we always talk about Christmas, but we often forget New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and all that. So it got me in my mind when I wrote that note out, taking me all the way back to 1999. Anybody remember 1999? Where are my old people at? Sound like y'all are here trying to wake up. I understand. Get your coffee, get your donut in, because I'm going to take you all the way back to 1999 with this classic Angie, this is for you, dear. Watch. All right, where are my old people at? Come on, where y'all at, old people? That is, for the record, my wife's favorite artist of all time. I know, pray for her, all right? But she loves some Prince. And I remember 1999, not just because of Prince and the song. Actually, that's like an older song. It was written way before then. But 1999 is because it was when we were moving from more than a song into the event of Y2K. Does anybody remember this right here? See, my kids weren't even born yet. So all you young people, you're like, Y2K? What is Y2K? It's when everybody thought the world was ending. It's funny that Prince wrote a song about it way before all that. We're going to die anyway. You heard him in his lyrics. But many people really genuinely believed that they were not going to make it through that holiday. You're talking about survival, holiday survival. Y2K was the original of going, oh, this is it. It's all over. So let me educate all the young people. Old people, it's a refresher. 
Young people, this is for you, okay? This is what Y2K meant and why everybody was so freaked out. Watch. The federal government is comparing Y2K to a huge natural disaster, like an earthquake, a hurricane, or a tornado. It disrupts people's lives for days, weeks, or maybe even months. Here it's for Y2K. We have about a year's supply of food here. Those cryptologic systems have to be able to accept the date functions just like any other system does to ensure that the, uh, the necessary encoding is effective. A global shutdown because of Y2K. There they are, the original hoarders right there. Come on, y'all remember this? Does anybody remember this? If you were alive, everyone on the planet was convinced it was all going to end because of the Y2K bug. This is what everybody, that didn't actually look like this, but they believed that this bug did not allow computers to switch over into the year 2000. So they thought water would be shut off, power would be shut off, that ever be, it would be chaos. So people started hoarding stuff. I mean, it was going nuts. I worked at First Baptist Bossier that long ago. We were having a party that night, you know, end of the year party. And it was because it was 1999. Typically, they didn't do that. But we're going into the year 2000. And I can very vividly remember some people saying, I am not going down there because when the power shuts off, it's going to be chaos in the city. When you have no water, when you have nothing for, you know, to, you'll be, it's going to be kept. People are going to be robbing everybody, stealing from everything. They thought it was literally going to be the end of the world. So then it got me thinking about where we are today. No one really knows what was going on back then, but here we are today. And in this series, let me just go ahead and tell you, for the record, no one knows back then and they don't know now. Matthew 24, just to get it out there for you, no one knows the end of the world's date. Only Jesus, only the Father knows that. But anyone that's guessing or think they figured it out, go ahead and just take a break because honestly, no one knows. But there are lessons that we can take from 1999. When people think it's over, they go into what is called survival mode. You know this and I know this because it's still kind of prevalent. Here we are in 2021 and people are still kind of hanging out in survival mode. You go, what does that look like, Justin? Well, back in 1999, it went into isolation and hoarding. The idea was I knew good friends. I knew good families. They were convinced it was all over the world is done. And so they pulled away from everybody, much like what's going on today. And they also stacked up all kinds of stuff in their house. People had their garages full because they were convinced based on what everybody was saying that it was over. They even went next level and started building bunkers. You might remember this. CNN did a whole story on how many people are in bunkers. And now here we are, 2021, and they're still building bunkers. And then it goes into the next part of like, I got to have stuff in my bunker. So food storage was critical. They had survival stockpiles. You can find websites on it. All this stuff is still going on. But I go back to 1999. We were going, man, we really thought that was it. And here we are 21 years later, and we're still going through things that everybody's going, no, this is it for sure. When this happens, this is going to be it for sure. And what I have realized 
And maybe I'm the only one. Maybe it's just I'm walking through this and I want to try to help us all walk through this. Is that there are lessons that we learn from that time that still apply to holiday survival today. It's because here's the deal. I am still guilty of some of the same things that we talked about back then. Right now, I am hoarding. I'm hoarding one thing. And that is Christmas cakes from Little Debbie. If you went to a Walmart and you tried to find one, you can blame me because we got a volunteer party coming up next Sunday, December 5th, and guess what y'all are getting? That's right. I'm bringing them, baby. And I went and packed them all. When I went to the counter and I gave it to the Walmart girl, she was like, you got a sugar problem? I said, baby, I got more than a sugar problem. I bought everything that I could find in this whole town. I went to Albertsons on East King. You're talking about going old school, son. I went all the way to Albertsons. I bought everything Walmart had went to Albertsons to make sure. And everybody thinks I'm hoarding it. Because we know during the holidays, that's kind of what happens. Those same two temptations are there. We don't really want to go to the crowds. That's why Thanksgiving's weird. All the family comes in. You're like, oh my gosh, they're going to be here. You prefer isolation. <laughs> and then there's a true for many that there's this occasion of I'm going to try to gather some stuff up. I'll try to hoard just in case. For example, don't let them eat my pumpkin pie. You'd go pull it to the side so nobody gets your pie. There's way more extremes, but it's kind of silly, but it's still there. Well, as I started preparing for this message, I thought about a lot of different things. I want to try to help you through this holiday season, and I got good news. I am here to help you, and here's the first thing I want you to write down to remember, and this is a challenge for us, including your pastor. Do not be selfish. It is a time to care and to share. Now you go, well, Justin, that's obvious. Well, you say it is, but if we're all honest, it doesn't come very natural. Many times we're very selfish. We kind of turn towards ourselves. And then as I start looking through scriptures, you need the scripture like I do. The only thing that changes us, the only thing that really has an impact on us is to look at what God says. This is the ideal. And we kind of measure ourselves against that. When I looked at this one in James, I'm like, okay, this is one for every Christian in here to write down and remember. James chapter 2. What's the use of saying that you have faith and that you're Christians if you aren't proving it by helping others. Why in the world does Simple Church close the door? Why do y'all get us to go out to Common Ground and go to a rescue mission? And why are we doing this next weekend? Why are we having church? Why are we going out and helping people? Why are y'all doing these toys for other people? And why are we helping this organization and that organization? Why are you at Providence House? All this, why? Here is why. It's a way for us to prove it. This is what he's saying. If you aren't proving it by helping others, what kind of faith is that? Does it save anyone? Does this is the whole idea? So it goes on and continues. If you have a friend who's in need of food and clothing, and you say to him, hey, well, goodbye, God bless you, stay warm, stay healthy, whatever it is, right? And then don't give him clothes or food, what good does that do? See, this is what happened in the churches that I grew up in as a child growing up. We were really good at gathering. We were really good at singing. We were really good at doing Christmas productions. We were really good at doing a lot of different things. And none of those things were bad. But the truth was is there were many people that were in a bind. It was not going well. And so what we had done to survive in many ways, the holiday survival was gather with people that look like us and act like us and talk like us and had everything that they needed. And we didn't get worried about what else was going on. And then as we start looking around, the scripture is very clear. It's like, man, you don't get that option. You really have this challenge of saying, hey, what good is it? How can you say you're a Christian when people are all around you in need, but you just don't care? 
So people ask us all the time, Justin, why don't you have church? Well, this is why. This scripture, these are one example. There's many more, but this is just one to focus on today. It literally is next Sunday and December 12th when we go pack food for Numana. They're opportunities to prove to other people that we really do know Jesus. And while we say that is by the way that we take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. The ones that are in a bind. The ones that are in trouble. Now I know what some of you are thinking already. Well, they just need to figure it out. I mean, God bless them. I mean, we'll be praying for them. But I got things I got to worry about. I got to worry about me. I got to take care of mine. And once again, this is the tension. Let's just say that we are in the end times. Let's just say that Paul is writing. As Paul was writing to Timothy, he gave us some warnings. Because maybe that attitude's in your mind and you're thinking, it's like, I just don't know about all this. Check out what Paul wrote to Timothy concerning whenever the end times will be. Maybe it is now. 2 Timothy 3.2. People will love themselves and money. So think about this. If we're in our culture right now, if you think about Christians, even in this room, even in this city, in our nation, think about how we really are focused on ourselves and many times we really are focused on what we have, our money. So my first challenge to you is, my first challenge to myself, the first challenge we got to walk through on all this is when we see the other things that James is saying, we understand that it's possibly that could be the end of the world. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But as we're moving towards that, and here we are trying to survive, don't go into survival mode that pushes you into isolation and pushes you into more for me and forget everybody else. So let me ask you a question. Would you describe yourself as selfish? Go, man, I'm selfish. Or maybe would you ask yourself this next question. Do you focus too much on money? Because in America, we're both, if we're honest. When you go to the gas pump, are you excited? Aren't you just like, hey, no, it makes you think about my money is going away too quickly. This is ridiculous. So you get frustrated. You get angry. You begin to take it out. When you look at the low minimum wage, you start going, man, I can't keep working like this and not making anything. If you lose your job, you begin to get tense. You begin to get stressed. Why? Because your money is gone. And then the next thing you do is you begin to say, forget everybody else. I got to take care of my family. I got to take care of my situation. And the enemy once again goes, gotcha. So this is why thousands of years ago, think about this, Paul one of the greatest men in Scripture is writing out letters, and he's writing it to a young Timothy, and he's saying, hey, Timothy, be careful, because when he gets close to the end, people are going to get very selfish, and they're going to get very focused on what they have, their money, their resources. As you look through Scripture, it's not just in one location. Hebrews 13.5, stay away from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. Think about it in America. Are we really ever satisfied? How big a house? How much of a car? How many gifts? How many clothes? How many toys? Right now, it's the, still the pressure is on. And here we are in 2021, and some of you go, man, this sounds familiar. It's almost like we talk about this every year. Because guess what? We still struggle with it. I find myself still struggling with it. I mean, I got a closet full of clothes. I got a nice house. I got nice cars. But it's funny how something gets in us because we're American it's the way we are. We have been blessed. When you come out of Thanksgiving, you're like, man, thank God for all that I've been blessed with. And then the next phrase is, now what am I going to get next? 
Or what's next on the agenda? What do I need to gather? What can I have? And then if you think it's the end of the world, if you think it's over, we go next level selfishness. So once again, go back to the scripture. Paul gives you another warning. You ready? Hang on. This is getting tough. 2 Timothy 3, chapter 2. They'll be proud, stuck up, rude, abusive, disobedient to their parents, and they will also be ungrateful. See, this is the other part of what it looks like as we're navigating the modern world. Even this holiday season. I mean, we get this arrogance about us, so proud that we're like, we think we're right and everybody else is wrong. We get stuck up. We get rude to people. We get abusive in the way we do. They're disobedient to their parents. Teenagers, just keep looking forward. Do not look at your parents right now because I know I have three. I get it. And ungrateful. Have you, have you even thought it or heard a kid say it or you say it to your kids? You're so ungrateful. Look at all that you have. You have everything. And then truthfully, if you look at yourself, aren't we ungrateful? Sometimes you get caught up in the mix of watching the news and comparing yourself to somebody else and what it was like, what this was going on. And man, if it was different now. And the next thing you know, man, we can get on the naughty list ourselves. And the one thing you don't want to do is get on the naughty list when it's like this. I ran across this card and I took a picture and said, I've lost my naughty list. Any chance I can borrow yours? You don't want to be on his naughty list. I mean, this is the whole thing. It's like, hey, man, what is God looking into our lives? Because he sees us. He knows us. He really knows where we are. He knows how we can be so selfish and so ungrateful and so rude. All of those things that Paul was writing to Timothy. But then guess what? When you saw the list of all these different things, Paul's not talking to our kids because we look at our kids, you're so ungrateful, you rude, disobey, disobedient. He was actually talking to the church. And this is why, just so you know, it burdens me because I don't want to be this and I don't want you to be this. Because as you see, as we get closer to the end of this message, it matters that we're different. So it's not about gathering and everybody just gets, oh, how are you? I'm fine. You got your good little outfit on. Everybody's got their coffee. Oh, what are you going to get? Oh, what did you get? Oh, taking pictures. Got it. New PlayStation 5, whatever. And you go, oh, a new car. Oh, you know our culture. And it just keeps going and going and going. And then in the midst of all of that's going on, you ready for what Paul says, Timothy? We can be heartless. We can be hateful. Think of social media. Think of the way we treat people. Think of the things we say. The words can be cruel to each other. We won't have any self-control because we think, I can just say what I want to say. I can do what I want to do. And you won't have any pity on anybody. Another word translation is empathy. You just won't be even empathetic towards someone who doesn't have as much. And so then I start looking at all these things and I start going, Lord, don't let this be simple, church. Do not let this be who we are. Do not let this be your pastor. Do not let this be our family. Don't let us get so caught up in the culture that we can be prideful and arrogant and ugly and rude and envious and not compassionate. Think about it. This is our culture. So holiday season, it brings out the best and the worst. And then I want you to just think, when you look at all of these things that I put on the screen, does it describe you? And you go, well, I don't know if it's me. I tell you what, do me a favor. Go ask your spouse if it described you. You're like, hey, man, you're getting personal, bro. Back off. Go ask your coworkers. Go ask your kids. Because what I struggle with and what I think you struggle with is, if we're honest, 
At different times, many of these things that Paul is writing thousands of years ago, ironically describe us to a T today. Then here's the part that really kicks you. Second Timothy continues. They'll go on pretending to be devoted to God. But they will refuse to let that devotion change the way they live. So if we know the scripture says we're supposed to be full of compassion and full of love, we're supposed to be generous and giving, kind, patient. But yet we're not. This is what it's talking about. Hey, man, I'm here. You owe me. I made it. I'm watching. Okay, come on. Give me something, brother. Let's go. And then when you walk out, the, de- the deal is, is did it change us? I mean, are we as a church or as Christians different? See, and this is what really, really is tough. Is because as you start going through, he's like, the closer we get to the end of the world, this is what you're looking for. And this is how we as the church can become unless we really start going, "Uh uh-oh, man, this can't be us. Don't gather just to gather. Don't just sing and just to be sing. Don't just show up to be seen. Let's figure out how we're going to be different. Let's figure out how we're going to change this thing. Because Paul's closing advice is next level. Get in your face. You ready for this? Don't have anything to do with people like that. Yeesh. What's he saying? He's like, man, don't hang out with them. Don't let this be who you are. So here's what I said in the early hour, and I got some whoa in the crowd. Because I thought about if, if in this American dream that we're living, we have permission to be rude and arrogant and ugly and selfish. We can say what we want. We have the right to do that. I don't have to do this for anybody. I can do anything I want to do. And at the same time, you create a world where even in our churches, we all look the same, we all act the same, we all dress the same, we all believe, quote, the same. And you create this world to where you really think you're right, and the truth is you ignore the Scripture. How crazy is it? Because that's kind of what's going on to this world today, and that's why Paul, I think, was right to Timothy. It's like, hey, just a warning. This is for all of us. How do you survive if it is 1999 and it's the end of the world? If it is that he's coming back today or tomorrow or next week? The truth is we don't know when he's coming back. And the other part of that is because we don't know, I also had this thought. But it might be your last day. So some of you say, well, man, I got a week, I got a year, I got a month. I got, hey, that's 35 days until New Year. I'll I'll do New Year's resolutions. I'll turn it around then. Well, the truth is, no, the end of the world, as you know it, might be today. Because I don't know if you know it or not, people pass away every day. And as I start thinking about that for my life, as I start thinking about the for us, I'm like, this is why Simple Church does what it does. We're not interested in just gathering to gather. We're not interested in just to go, hey, man, feel good about it, and I'll just go out there and wing it today. No, I'm like, man, let's try to see what Christ is calling us to. Let's try to put what he's asking above even the American dream. And let's try to follow Christ above even what anybody that's surrounding us saying. Does it line up with what God has to say for you and for me? And what does he say? Be humble. Be kind. So now here's the interesting thing. The opposite of prideful 
the opposite of rude is this nature that your kids see you being humble and kind. That when we come to church and we walk out of church, it's the way that we treat people, all people. It's the way that we literally live our life so much so that people go, man, that's it. And this is how you know it's right. Is when your Louisiana native writes a song and you go, oh, I love that song. You remember this? Here's Tim McGraw. He'll teach you. Watch. Always stay humble and kind. Hold the door, say please, say thank you. Don't steal, don't cheat, don't lie. I know you got mountains to climb, but always stay humble and kind. When the dreams you're dreaming come to you, when the Give it up for you, Louisiana boy, Tim McGraw, right there. Powerful. But now think about this. When you hear that song, driving down the road or whatever, when it first came out, bring a little tear to your eye, you start thinking to yourself, like, man, that's, that is what I want for my kid. When you're trying to climb this mountain of success, don't get so rude. Don't be so crazy. You don't have the right, the permission to be ugly to somebody else. You, should, you, you don't step on people or belittle people to do that. You be kind. You don't get prideful. You don't get arrogant. You know that in our culture, you're like, God, thank God somebody. God, let it be my kid is a somebody. The humility is what they're known by. Now, in case you've forgotten, go back to the New Testament, Colossians chapter 3. You're the people of God. If you've ever asked Jesus to come into your life, if you've ever said, I don't care if you were three, four, five, last week, last year, 50, 60, and you're going, Jesus, I need you in my life. Change me. Come in and save me. You are the people of God. And because of that, here's what he says. I've given you the Holy Spirit, and inside that Holy Spirit, I am going to ask you, just like you put on your clothes every day, cover yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility with being gentle, with being patient. Now, if you were to look at your life and you go, man, how's this list looking? Especially the holiday season. You go in Walmart, I'm just sure you're so patient. When your package doesn't come in from Amazon, you're just, it doesn't matter. We have everything we need. I talked to my post lady yesterday, lady who delivers our mail out in Benton. She comes in, my dog's about to tack her at the car because she gives out dog treats, so they think this lady is the best thing ever. So they're all gathered around, and she's telling me, and her Jeep, she has a little red Jeep. If you're out Benton, you know what I'm talking about. It's just packed. I mean, I don't know how she can drive. She's literally just like, and it's just all on top of her. And I said, good night, girl. I said, sorry, my dog. She said, I love you, puppies. Sweetest, kindest. Oh, let me get out. She's loving on them and giving them treats and being kind. And, and I said, man, has it been crazy? She said, oh, you have no idea. I said, well, give me an example. She said, well, I typically deliver 70 packages a day. That's what my typical run looks like. In addition to your mail, but packages. Over 250, 220 
is what she delivered last week. And I said, well, man, I bet it's good to get a raise then. I bet they're giving you overtime or extra money. You work for the government. I'm sure they're taking care of you. Guess what she gets extra? Zero. There's no extra money. So in my world, I would be grouchy and mean. <laughs> but here she is, humble, kind, patient, sweet. And here's the thing. You and I have this opportunity. It's like, hey, close yourself. Not with the uniform you put on for work, but with who you are as a Christian above an American. It's like, man, this is who he calls us to be. This is who I want you to be. This is what I'm asking of you. This is the bottom line for him. So I'm going to add to it. Because it's in Scripture, not adding to Scripture, but add to what he's asking as well. You ready? Be obedient and grateful. Now let me say why I add that. You can look at the list, but if we don't obey it, it doesn't really work. So you can say, I know that list. I got a t-shirt on that says, be kind. Good. But are you doing it? When you think about gratitude, are we grateful to be an American? Are we grateful to have what we have? Ephesians 5.20, you ready for this? Always give thanks to the God, our Father in heaven for, what's the last word? Do we really do that? Everything? High gas prices. Thank you, Jesus. This is so good, Jesus. I praise you as I pump this gas, Jesus. Amen. That's what he means. Because you have a pump and you have a car and you have the money to do it. See, this is where it gets in your head. You start comparing. You start complaining. You start looking at what he had and she said and why we needed this and why that happened. And the next thing you know, the world gets us. And then we start wanting to not be around anybody. You isolate or you start hoarding. You start putting all the gas at your house. I need a big tanker. Bring me a tanker out here. I'm going to beat this gas price. I ain't doing this no more. And the next thing you know, you ain't always thankful. You're grouchy, complaining, whining. So here's the warning. This was the difficult one. Are you really obedient? You go, well, Jonathan, I feel like I'm doing pretty good on that one. Here's Luke 6, and this is where I'm going, oh, Lord, help me. If you love only those who love you, because, man, I go, it's easy to love my wife. Oh, she's so sweet and kind. Ooh, I love you. Should you get any special praise for doing that? I mean, if you do good only those who do good to you, should you get any special praise for doing that? Well, I took care of that guy at the church, or I took care of this. Okay, good. Thank you. If you lend things to people always expecting to get something back, should you get any praise for that, special praise for that? Hey, I'm going to give this to you, but I need that back on the first of the month next month. But I love you. Oh, me and Jesus, we love you. But pay me back. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Yeesh. Hold on a second. Time out. I'm telling you to do good to them and lend to people without expecting to get anything back. And if you do this, then you'll have a great reward. Once again, he's going... Let me go ahead and just make it difficult on you. Do you love the other political party, whoever they are? Do you love the other race, whoever they are? Do you love the other neighborhood, the other country? I mean, do you really want to do good to people that are your enemy, the ex-wife? Don't even bring up the ex-wife. I'll, I'll kill you right now, Justin. Go through. Who, who is it? The boss? The one who fired you? 
This is why it's so difficult. This is why you're going, Jesus, this is why we're supposed to be different. And we go, Jesus, I need your help. Maybe you find yourself saying what I'm saying. I'm not sure I'm there yet. So here's the challenge. You ready? This is where it really does help. We've got to commit ourselves to God. Be willing to obey him and let him change you. He is in the business of changing us. And I'll give you a great example, Psalm 139. So if you feel like a failure, you feel like I'm not doing good, I'm just not sure I'm there, then God says, examine me. David's actually writing this out. He's saying, God, examine me and know my mind. God, you know what's in my mind, so I need you to help me because my mind's tripping right now, and I need you to help me. Test me and know all my worries. How many worries? How many sleepless nights? How many fretting over kids or finances or jobs or the world or gas prices or shipping containers on the West Coast, all that stuff. He knows all of that. Make sure that I am not going the wrong way. I mean, do you really go on, God, I need you every day. Guide me, God, show me, direct me, fill me, help me. Lead me on the path that's always been right. So it's not, not right now. It's been right from the time you said it. It will be right when everybody else is thinking that we're wrong. He's saying, no, I'm telling you it's always been right. Now, if you're depressed, you're going, okay, I'm praying through this. I need that, but I'm not there yet. Let me give you some really good news. You're not where you want to be, you say. The good news is you're not where you used to be because you're sitting in church and you're watching church. Yeah, you can clap for that. So when you begin to think in your mind, man, I'm not there yet. I'm not. We're not, but here's the thing. You are different. That's allowing God to change you. But guess what? We still got to submit. We got to be obedient. We got to follow through. Ask him to help God. Help me, help me, help me, help me. And look at Philippians 1.6. This is what he says. God that began doing that good work in you, I am sure, I am confident, he will continue to do it until it's finished. And guess what? When Jesus comes again. So he's coming back one day, but here's the job. Here's the whole thing. Commit to him. Be obedient to him. Do what he's asking you to do. Don't get caught up in the culture. Don't give an excuse. Well, I, that's the way my parents have always been. You know me. This is who we are. No, what we need to know is who you are when Christ invades. So the worry's got to go. The being ugly has got to go. The whole idea of you trying to control everybody and everything else is you're going, no, God is in control of that. So now I am going, today is a new day. Today is a day to change. Today, every day is a chance for you and I to wake up, walk outside these doors and go, I'm going to be different today. And when you do, the world recognizes it. That's why we don't come to church. That's why I don't tell you, come in, come back in and hear another song. Come back in and hear another sermon. Although, I'm going to give you a sermon on next Sunday. It'll be available online. And I'm going to give you both new. And I'm going to give you one on December 12th. You'll have two chances to watch another sermon. But here's my whole challenge on all that. How many sermons do we need before we can begin to say, God, let it take me over and help me be that this week? And that's why I am so proud of you for filling up the five for five. You filled up all these opportunities, all those different jobs that we need you to do, whether it was Common Ground or Providence House. But we still got a pretty big one. And that is going to do the toy thing, to make sure that whenever we go to Walmart, we help every organization we can so that we can prove to them that we know Jesus by our love, by our sacrifice, by our actions, so that in that little act of obedience, God does something that none of us could do on our own. Now, let me ask you something. So you're going to be kind? You're going to be compassionate? If we walk out of here and he tests you right now, 
When somebody cuts you off, you just go, wait, hey, praise the Lord. I just, oh, it's so good. Or you going to be like, oh, hold on, my finger hurt. I'm sorry, something happened, you know. <laughs> Cussing at them, mad at them. Because here's what I'm learning. Every day, there's these little tests. Will you be obedient? Will you be grateful? Will you care? Will you share? Will you deny selfishness? Will you find ways to say, all right, Lord, here's my time. I'm not going to isolate. I'm going to get around other people trying to do the same. That's why I'm proud you're in the church today. You could have slept in, dude. You could have done something else, but you're here. God honors that, and he's going to help you so you can pass the test. But it starts with going, God, help me to do that when I walk out. Help me when I go to work. Help me in the middle of this holiday season. Help me, Jesus. Help me. And then the Holy Spirit will speak to you and go, this is your moment. What are you going to do? And this is the thing. Steve Hartman, my associate pastor, pulled a perfect video to try to illustrate this. I pulled all the staff together that I could find the day that I found the video. I said, I want you all to watch this. And there were tears shed, I'm going to be honest with you, mostly by me, but probably by some of you because this one's heavy. It's about obedience. It's about kindness. It's about the end of the world. No, not for everybody, but for one. In the midst of all of that chaos, what would you do if you were the one who walked into it? How would you respond? Would you isolate? Would you run away? Or would you go, God, this is my moment. Watch. According to her mother, Lacey, six-year-old Raylynn Nast of Fort Smith, Arkansas, has always been a daddy's girl. She was very proud of her dad. She always wanted to introduce her dad to just about anybody. Until a couple weeks ago when her father, Davey, died of colon cancer. He was just 41 and Ray Lynn was just devastated. It was a cry that was pure heartbreak. Enter Emily Bynaman, who happened to be jogging with her dog, Blue, the day of the visitation. She was running past the funeral home when all of a sudden she heard a tiny voice call out from the chapel steps. She was like, may I pet your puppy? And I was like, yeah, like, of course, like as long as your parents don't mind. That's what you said to her? Yeah. Not knowing? Not knowing, yeah. Raylynn explained that her dad was lying inside, gave Blue a huge hug, and then gave Emily a stunning invitation. I asked her if she wanted to come in and see my dad. That's right. This still proud daughter invited that random jogger to meet her father. Emily was hardly dressed for a funeral, and she knew just walking in the door would cause a scene. But she also knew this was the last time that little girl would be able to introduce her daddy to anyone. So she followed her gut and followed Ray Lynn down the aisle. Everyone was kind of looking around like, where did she come from? And she came in right next to Ray, like they'd known each other for so long. There was that connection there. How could two people bond so quickly? She helped me feel better. Ray Lynn says it should be no mystery. By her kindness. Ray Lynn and Emily got together again this week and planned to stay friends forever. Sweet. Of course, no one will ever replace her dad. But Raylynn is clearly on the path to a better place. Yes. Thanks to the kindness of a stranger. Oh, those are good kisses. And the healing power of a warm puppy. Steve Hartman on the road in Fort Smith, Arkansas. 
Come on, y'all, give it up. So a couple of things got me watching it. It's would my daughter, daughter's son, be so proud of me that they would want to introduce me to anyone and everyone. See, the way that happens is it starts today. It starts in you going, man, this is how I'm going to treat all people. This is the model. This is the example. When you've been messed around in business, somebody didn't do it right, how are you going to treat them? When things aren't going your way, when you don't get your way, when things don't work out the way you think they should, how are you going to act? And then I thought, on the reverse, if I'm this young lady jogging in my workout outfit, especially in the South, y'all realize, I can't be seen like this, I don't have my lashes on. <laughs> but would you say, I hear you, God. And go into a funeral home with all strangers to walk up to a casket and be introduced to somebody you never knew for the sake of a child? Or would you make all, I'll come back, holler at I'll follow up. You know I love you. You know I'm with you. Oh, girl, I can't do that right now. But hey, pet my dog and we'll move on. Obedient. Even when it doesn't make sense. See, all these things are flooding my mind. This is why I love my boy Steve. That's why he's a good associate pastor. Because he puts all of the scripture I just read to you, that you just read, that we read together, that we walked through, and puts it right here in our modern world and goes, all right, how are you going to do it? Because the tests are real. God is real. And you have an opportunity and I have an opportunity. In a world that's full of chaos, that they think the world is ending and you're trying to survive, you're tempted to isolate. I just can't look at another person. I don't want to deal with another person. Just leave everybody alone. You want to dig a hole, get your bunker, go get all your family, your friends. Y'all just gather around. We don't have to look and talk to nobody. They all look like us and talk like us. We're all right here. We're safe. We got toilet paper, honey. Make sure we got toilet paper. And then on the outside, God's going, no, 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 no. That ain't, look that up in Scripture. See if you find that anywhere. No, it's the opposite. So why does Simple Church close the door and force you out? Because we want to prove it and give you the opportunity to prove it by your actions. You don't hear a whole lot of sitting in Scripture. You don't hear a whole lot of just gathering up to sing and hang out. There's a little worship in there, and there's a little sitting, and there's some sermons. But let me tell you what you see a whole lot of is loving, caring, sharing, giving, to the point that they sold everything they had to meet needs. And we think when we go, hey, man, can you give us $5? We're going to try to make sure. Oh, my, if they ask for another $5, how are we going to, oh, my God. If I have to give another hour to set up or tear down, or if I have to go do, oh my gosh, I just can't believe they're asking me to do all of this. And he's going, oh my gosh. And I can be right there with you. And God's going, I want you to be different. I want you to be obedient. I want you to experience it. I want you to show the world so that when someone listens or someone sees you, or the day that I call you home, whether that's him cracking the sky, or it's the day we crack that casket, we will go, man, look what they did with their life. 
Man, look at the story they told. Look at how they lived. And it was more than an American. It was more than your political views. I can tell you, if you think that's what we talk about when we do a funeral, you're sadly mistaken. Oh, it's true. As a veteran, we'll mention the fact that you served this country. And it's true. You've been in any kind of service. We go, hey, man, we, we're going to talk about it. But let me tell you what it all comes down to. Is did you know him and did you act like him? And when you do, and when you've lived like that, the room is full because people go, man, they changed my life. When I was in a bad place, they gave to me. Man, when nobody would talk to me, they talked to me. When some man, I needed something, they were there for me. That's the goal. Be like Jesus. Act like Jesus, regardless of what this world does. So why are we not having church next Sunday and not having church the 12th? It's because it's a chance for you to act like it. Toy joy. It's coming up. All the other positions are filled because they didn't have and couldn't have a lot of people doing them. But this one, we can have thousands do it. You go, well, Justin, what are we doing? I'm going to be at Walmart on uh, Airline, Christy, and then we'll be at Walmart on Burke Coons and Yuri over there. And all we're asking you to do is get up that morning, watch the sermon, because I have a special message for you that day. Watch the sermon. And then go buy a toy and meet us in the parking lot. Who are we going to help? Shop with the cop and Common Ground. All of these organizations that need and are asking for us to help. And shouldn't the church be a part of helping? Shouldn't we figure out a way to do that? Will we take any of the money? Nope. Am I asking you to give me money for me or for our staff bonuses or because we need them? Nope. What I'm asking you to do is think about the outsiders. Think about people other than us. And here's your opportunity. And you go, now Justin, what does that look like? Here's just a little 20-second video just to remind you of what it does for you, not just what it does for them. Watch. It is so awesome when we fill those vehicles up with all those toys and then we get to give them to the people in this community and you cannot do it without you. So I'm asking you, praying that you would be obedient, that you would also think through, God, help me and show me how I can act like you, be like you this week. That's just one thing coming up. December 12th, you already know, we're going to be packing food, feeding people around the world. You need to come, be a part. Don't sleep in. Come and at least pack the food for New Man, and then you can skate, see sand if you want to. But why? Because when we deliver that food to Haiti, it proves that we know him, that you're like him. When we deliver these toys, when we help the rescue mission, Providence House, all these things, it's not just about gathering. We're going to gather back on December 19th. We'll be right back here to celebrate what all was done, and we even have a special, unique message for that day as well. Don't miss it. All right? I love you. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to let you get out of here. God, as they get ready to walk out of here, I pray that you would help us to be like you. That as we read the scripture, as we look at it, as we see these stories, as we see the warnings, as we see what Paul is writing to Timothy, going, man, God, don't let that be us. Help us to God be full of love, to be full of compassion, to be full of kindness, to be full of humility, to be willing to do what no one else will do, to make sure that we reach out to those who desperately need that hope, especially at this time of year. And God, as we're doing that, I pray that people would see the real you. They wouldn't get lost in religion or church. It wouldn't be about us just coming in and just gathering and singing and being comfortable with each other. It would be about pushing us to be like you, going to the mess of the world, 
to deliver the hope that is found in you. If there's someone that doesn't know you today, God, whether they're watching online or in this room, I pray that they would see it's real and genuine for us. It's not about religion or denomination. It's about a relationship with you that changes us. And we're not where we want to be, but we're not where we used to be either. And that started with a prayer like this. Jesus, come into my life and change me. I'm a sinner. I mess it up often, God, every day. And I'm asking you to forgive me and give me a fresh start and a new beginning. And you promise, God, to send the Holy Spirit to begin to change and work on me. And how do you do it? Through messages like this, through circumstances, through situations. Help us, God, to be obedient, to hear you, and do what you asked us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can I get an amen somewhere one time? Come on. Listen, I want you to do me one other favor. On your way out, the Do Good store is set up. And let me tell you why we set it up, because we give all the proceeds away as well. If you've got time and you want to shop and buy something, go spend a little money out there. We'll put it right to Toy Joy. We'll put it to all these other things that we're doing. If you've got time and you can do it, please do that. The other thing is, don't forget worship night next week. We will gather at Bojack's. We're going to have s'mores, ugly sweater contests, so come. We're not meeting that morning. We're going to go out and do all these projects, but gather with us down there, and let's have a great night of worship, all right? Until next week, what do we say? Peace. Thanks for coming, y'all.